0: Well, it's impossible to know what Gonzaga is going to look like 20 years from now, but whatever changes do happen, these 10 people will almost certainly be the catalysts. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates through another season of Gonzaga basketball. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. All right, for those of you who may have missed it or did not see it, Dana O'Neill at The Athletic wrote a fantastic piece discussing 20 people who are going to be the biggest influences on college basketball over the next 20 years. Now, this is a kind of a, a subject that's really difficult to get into because, as she acknowledged in the article, she was like Todd Golden was still in high school when this happened. Nate Oates, the coach at Alabama, was a high school math teacher at the time 20 years ago. So things change a lot. In 20 years, 20 years ago, Gonzaga was only just beginning to become a nationally relevant program. And now you look at where they are and they're in conversations with the big 12. They're perennially a top 10, top five team every season. Like it's a remarkable change. I think Randy Bennett and St. Mary's, Randy Bennett wasn't there yet. St. Mary's won two games the year before he got there. I think that was in 2002. So about 20 years ago. So things change a lot in 20 years. But what I want to do today is take a look at not 20, but 10 figures currently Affiliated with Gonzaga in some way, who I think are going to be the biggest movers and shakers for the next 20 years for Gonzaga. Depending on what the Zags look like 20 years from now, we can say pretty conclusively that these 10 people had some level of influence on that. If you think somebody's missing, if you think there's other people we could have talked about, please, please let me know in the comments here on YouTube. Let me know on Twitter. I think this is a fun kind of Fun exercise, fun kind of conversation and what the future might look like for this little school in Spokane whose future has already changed just so dramatically in the last 20 years. Let's look at what 20 years from now is going to do. Starting with the first, in my opinion, most important figure for the next 20 years, not a shock here. That's Mark View. Got to start with Mark View, the current head coach for the Gonzaga Bulldogs men's basketball team. Uh, And the biggest question surrounding this program, especially when you're looking at an upcoming 20-year window, how much longer is he going to coach? Because the answer is probably not twenty years. <laughs> it could be. It could be Jim Larenega, Jim Beheim. Those guys are up in their late seventies right now. It's possible that Mark Few decides he wants to coach another twenty years. I doubt it. I would be shocked. Quite shocked if he lasted another 20 years. I'm not sure he's got 10 years left in him. It's not that he's incapable of coaching 10 years longer or he's going to drop off or anything like that. I'm just not sure he's going to want to continue to do it for that much longer. He is quite public about having other interests outside of basketball, notably fly fishing. I also think it is possible that some of the changes that are coming in college basketball may be things that he's not inclined to continue to operate through he has done a very good job at being not only with the curve, but in many cases ahead of the curve. He was adding transfers well before it was really popular. And then when they had the ability to add graduate transfers and have them not sit out a year, he was doing that before it was pretty popular as well. That some of Gonzaga's best players, some of their key contributors. uh, Jordan Matthews is a big one. Byron Wesley is a big one. Gino Crandall is a big one. Aaron Cook is a big one. Rissier Bolton was a graduate transfer. He ended up having a second year of eligibility because of COVID, but he was still a graduate transfer. And you can see that Gonzaga has continually kind of been ahead of the curve on that stuff. However, NIL and some of that other stuff, the, the kind of craziness that is the transfer portal, I could see Mark view not necessarily wanting to deal with that for a lot longer. We saw Jay Wright retire, Uh, Although that was not specifically indicated as a reason why it's possible. Mike Bray announced he was retiring at Notre Dame, although he then announced he wants to continue coaching. So who knows the exact situation there. But I do think that we're seeing some coaches kind of decide, hey, this maybe isn't for me anymore. Whether Mark Few decides to do that remains to be seen. Beyond just the how long is he going to coach and what is Gonzaga going to look like conversation, he also is a huge driver for the potential move to the Big 12. It has been stated in many articles, including the article written by Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports a few weeks ago, that Mark Few is kind of the decision maker here. That doesn't mean that Chris Standiford, the athletic director at Gonzaga, is not a big decision maker as well. We'll talk about him later. Doesn't mean that Brett Yormark, your mark, excuse me, the commissioner of the Big Twelve, isn't a big decision maker here as well. But ultimately, Mark's going to kind of make the decision here. So when you talk about what Gonzaga is going to look like twenty years from now, Mark Few holds a whole bunch of the cards. He holds almost all of them, and he has been the catalyst for everything that has happened at Gonzaga over the last 20 years or so. So, of course, his influence is going to be heavily felt 20 years from now. And when you look at where Gonzaga is now from where they were 20 years ago, I think most people are pretty darn happy with it. Does that mean we should put all our chips into Mark Few making decisions going forward? Not necessarily, but that's kind of the way that it's set up right now. And considering the success that they have had, I'm okay with it. He clearly has a vision for this program being at a higher level than in the WCC. I'm willing to let him see that out. And obviously, again, other players are going to be a factor there. But Mark Few is the biggest driver for this right now. Can he continue to push this program into Big 12 territory? Can he continue to be the kind of coach that he's been, continue to recruit the level of talent that he's recruited? All of that stuff is a huge Determiner for whether Gonzaga is going to remain this relevant basketball powerhouse for another 20 years. Number two on our list, already touched on him already. That's Brett Yormark, Yormark, excuse me, the commissioner of the Big 12. And basically he has a huge amount of power over Gonzaga right now in terms of trying to get this conference into the best basketball conference that exists in college today. Recent quote from your mark that your mark that was in the John Canzano letter email that he sends out. It's a newsletter. Fantastic to subscribe to if you haven't done so yet. Uh, He basically said he's transparent about wanting to be in four time zones. He wants the Big 12 to have a geographic footprint over the entire country. He did not specifically say he's targeting Pac-12 schools, although it is expected that he is targeting Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado and Utah. But Gonzaga is in the mix as well. And he has two big quotes that he had in this article were. He wants to be in all four time zones and he wants to build the best. He wants to continue to build the best basketball conference in college. He acknowledged they already are, which he's absolutely right. Baylor and Texas and Kansas and Kansas State and Iowa State. It is a remarkable basketball conference right now. They're adding Houston next year. Gonzaga would be just another fantastic addition to this conference. Sounds like he wants it. It sounds like some of the Big 12 ADs maybe aren't quite there yet. There's some financial implications they have to figure out. They have to figure out whether Gonzaga's other schools are also going to join the Big 12. But it sounds like your mark is trying to drive the train towards Gonzaga joining the Big 12. Him and Mark Few, if they both make that decision that, yes, this is something that we want, it's probably going to get done. I don't know when it might be two years from now, it might be five years from now, who knows exactly what's going to happen. But I think it's going to get done if these two gentlemen still want it to happen, which is why they're one and two on this list right now. Because 20 years from now, the biggest thing that could change for Gonzaga is them joining the Big 12. And it's it might happen much, much sooner than 20 years from now. But that is the biggest potential change coming to this school and this program in the next few decades. Finally, the last person I want to talk about here in the First segment, Greg Sankey, another Power Five conference commissioner. He's the commissioner of the SEC. Uh, Less about conference realignment, more about the fact that Greg Sankey has a lot of really bad ideas about how to change college basketball. And if he gets his way, and he is a very powerful man, if he gets his way, some of these changes could come in the next 20 years. And they're changes that I think would negatively impact college basketball. Many of you would agree with those changes. He wants to expand the NCAA tournament. He wants to expand the NCAA tournament, not to get more fun mid-major schools in, not so Santa Clara can sneak in or LMU this year, but so more sub-500 or roughly 500 Power 5 teams can make the big dance. I don't think that helps makes the product better. Most people agree. Not everybody agrees. Most people agree. People with a lot of money who want to make more money are the people who disagree. Without getting overtly political right now, those people tend to get they, what they want, even if it goes against the needs and wants and desires of the rest of the American public. That is pretty common knowledge at this point. Greg Sankey has a lot of power, a lot of money, and he is starting to get people on his side about potentially expanding the NCAA tournament or making it so that there are not automatic qualifiers, effectively eliminating the mid-major schools from, from like smaller mid-major. Gonzaga would still make it. St. Mary's would probably still make it. But we're talking about, like, the WAC conference champions not making it anymore. Eastern Washington out of the big sky, they don't make it anymore. Those fun runs we've seen from programs uh, like St. Peter's last year or your Robert Morris or other programs who have kind of made fun runs in the past – that doesn't happen anymore. Those programs have no chance of making the NCAA tournament if Greg Sankey gets his way. Huge negative for the sport. Maybe doesn't directly impact Gonzaga, other than them uh, potentially even moving even more quickly to get out of the WCC and into another conference. But uh, he's a very, very important figure in what college basketball is going to look like for the next 20 years. And so he's an important figure in what Gonzaga is going to look like in the next 20 years as well. Well, Mark Few is not the only Gonzaga coach who will have a big impact on the school's future. More on that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on anything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. Maybe you like DeMontis Sabonis to keep putting up huge numbers. Maybe you like Zach Collins in his new role with the Spurs to keep up the high production. Maybe you want to make an exclusive bet like Corey Kispert hitting two threes in the first three minutes of Washington's next game. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance with a payout at a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your new sw- your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. All right, segment two, Stony Patton, still Locked On Zags. Want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. It's everything you need to know about all the things happening in college basketball in one place. You can hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on college basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. All right, four more people. I want to talk about here in the second segment who are going to have a profound impact on Gonzaga over the next 20 years. Again, we're borrowing this idea from a fantastic article written by Dana O'Neill at The Athletic, talking about 20 people and their influence on college basketball over the next 20 years. We decided to just do 10 here, talking about the Zags uh, and what their future might look like. Uh, Next up here, I kind of teased that he was going to be mentioned later in the show. That is Chris Standiford, the current athletic director for Gonzaga. It is unquestionable that the guy running the entire athletic department is going to have a big impact on what the athletic department is going to look like 20 years from now. That doesn't necessarily need to be said, uh, but still... A profound impact here for Stanford, obviously taking over after a very, very lengthy and extraordinarily successful tenure as the athletic director from Mike Roth. Stanford takes over very early into his tenure as the AD. He has to deal with Mark Few's DUI situation. He has to deal with a handful of other kind of stressors that happened uh, in the first year. Welcome to the job. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, and then, of course, now the, the conference realignment conversation. And while we acknowledge that Mark Few has a lot of power in, in whether that decision gets made or not. So does Chris Stanford. Significant amount. I don't think that Stanford and Few are going to disagree and then like come to blows about it and fight. I think if Mark Few says, hey, I'm ready to do it. Let's go to the Big 12, there's a pretty good chance that Stanford's going to accept that as well. They're going to make more money in the Big 12. Yes, it's going to be offset by some more travel costs, but I think that they're going to ultimately come to that decision. And Stanford's going to have a lot of sway here because he's going to have to make the decision. Mark Few's making the decision from a basketball perspective, a men's basketball perspective. Stanford has to step back and look at the bigger picture. Does this make sense for our baseball team, for our soccer teams, for our volleyball programs? Does it make sense for whatever programs may have to end up going independent because there is not such and such sport in the Big 12? Those are conversations that he is going to have to have. Those are decisions that he is going to have to make if this comes to fruition, if this presents itself as an opportunity. There are also opportunities to only take basketball to the Big 12 and do something else with the other programs. That is a decision that Stanford will have to make as well. My suspicion is that they're going to try to take as many programs as possible to the Big 12 because the WCC is not going to keep their non-basketball programs in that conference. Why would they do that if Gonzaga is taking their biggest moneymaker and bringing it somewhere else? So... Decisions, decisions, decisions that Stanford's going to have to make. What decisions he makes will ultimately have a significant, I mean, mo- monstrous impact on those programs and really Gonzaga's identity as a as an athletic school uh, in a significant way going forward. Depending on what Stanford does. Next up here, uh, Lisa Fortier, women's basketball coach for Gonzaga, uh, obviously another person who's, who's made a tremendous impact on this program. We talk so much about Mark Few and, and fear about his predecessor, what it's going to look like, which also goes back to Stanford. That's a decision he likely is going to have to make in the next 20 years is who's replacing Mark Few as the head coach. Massive decision, tremendous implications. Anyway, moving on to Fortier. Uh, when, Kelly, when Kelly Graves left, when he took the job at Oregon, they had a decision. And Mike Roth made the decision to stick with Lisa Fortier, who was an assistant head coach at the time. Promote her from within, let her run the program. It has gone spectacularly. Forty-eight has taken this program to really, really significant heights. They are currently a top 20 team in the country. A recent reveal of the late season watch list for the Naismith Coach of the Year in college women's basketball. Lisa Fortier is on that list. So she has done a fantastic job this year. Is getting named alongside people like Don Staley at South Carolina, Vandeveer at Stanford. She is on a list with those coaches because of the job she has done with this team this year tremendous tremendous success from 48 the women's program being as successful as they are is very very helpful for gonzaga it helps lend some credibility to the brand outside of men's basketball it proves that they can they get they're getting fans at games outside of just the men's basketball teams the women's basketball games are packed they're a continual top 20 team they make some noise in the ncaa tournament they pulled off some major upsets earlier this year for 48 if this program continues to be this level of success it it continues to help gonzaga show that they are a basketball school not a men's basketball school they are a pure basketball school and it also proves that gonzaga can replace legends like kelly graves internally like they did with 48 and continue to have that success when and not if when mark few decides to move on and and, and his basketball career as the coach there's a good chance gonzaga goes with an internal candidate We'll talk about that in a second, but the fact that Lisa Fortier has been successful is a key component for Gonzaga's success doing the same thing on the men's side should they choose to do that. Next up, Charlie Baker. Charlie Baker is probably the only name on this list most people may not recognize at all. Baker is the current president of the NCAA or going to be the current president of the NCAA, taking over for Mark Emmert who is ending his tenure. Uh, Baker takes over at a time when the NIL and the transfer portal and realignment are basically completely out of control. (laughs) I don't think there's any other way to look at it. They are out of control right now, and he's going to have to make decisions. Do we further police what is going on in the transfer portal? Do we continue to make rules that make it more difficult for players to change schools? Because once you open that spigot, which they already have, it's pretty hard to close again. And now they have to make a decision. Do we try to limit... What is happening right now where 1,500 kids are entering the transfer portal every single year? Do we hope that it just goes down when there's less eligibility because those COVID students start to graduate? Tough questions. Not necessarily easy answers to those questions. Baker and his staff are going to have to figure out what to do there. On the same token, NIL, I don't think it's as out of control as a lot of people who really hate that student-athletes get paid are saying that it is, but there are issues Jaden Rashada, the quarterback who decommitted from Florida because he didn't get $13 million from their NIL collective. To be clear, the collective screwed up. They made a promise to a player that they could not handle financially. That's not the player's fault. He signed with the school expecting to get a certain amount of money. They said, hey, we can't give you what we promised you. I'd be upset too. So I'm not blaming the kid here in this situation. But at some point, we have to figure out what's going on here and make some changes, make some adjustments, make sure that what is being paid out from an NIL perspective is within the spirit of the actual rules the NCAA put in place because the NCAA put in these rules, didn't enforce them at all and kind of just let whatever happened happen. That's probably going to have to change. Baker's going to have a role in that. How much does this directly impact Gonzaga? It's a little hard to say. Gonzaga's not a huge player in the NAL market right now, but Drew Timmy's making a lot of money. And so are the other players on Gonzaga's men's basketball roster. They are making good money from being... Gonzaga basketball players. They are making money off their name image likeness. They have deals throughout the Spokane community. What Charlie Baker does to change the NIL rules and the transfer portal rules will have a significant impact on college basketball. I don't think that he's going to take much of a role regarding conference realignment, but you never know. Should he come down and say that they want to do less realignment, they want to change some of the way that they're doing that, that could impact Gonzaga as well. Again, I'm not really expecting that. But it is interesting to consider that he has enough power to potentially change a lot of things for Gonzaga directly and indirectly in the next couple of years. Next up, Brian Michelson closing out the second segment here. Gonzaga's associate head coach, a huge factor for what Gonzaga might look like for the next 20 years because he could be Gonzaga's next head coach. I don't know this for sure. Nobody knows this for sure. We don't know how much longer Mark Few is going to ch- coach. If it's two years, five years, 10 years, 18 years, whatever it may be, that obviously makes a big uh, impact regarding Michaelson and his future. Tommy Lloyd was the long time expected. Hey, he's going to take over when Mark Few is gone. That was just, it was basically written in pen, it was confirmed that that's what was going to happen. And then after a really long time of being Gonzaga's associate head coach, of being their high-level recruiter, of being a a, a candidate for other jobs, the University of Arizona came calling and said, hey, we want to hire you as our head coach. That's really hard to turn down. And look what happened. Tommy Lloyd took that job. He has led that program to two very, very successful seasons. Is looking like one of the best young coaches in all of college basketball. And so Gonzaga lost. They're second in command. They lost the guy expected to take over that role. Michelson slides into that spot, but is he actually the candidate to to replace Mark Few? If Mark Few retired tomorrow, would Brian Michelson get the job? I think five years from now, you could almost say that that's going to be in pen, assuming Michelson's still around. But now, I don't know. Ten years from now, is Brian Michelson still going to be at Gonzaga? If Mark Few is still the head coach, will Brian Michaelson have done what Tommy Lloyd did and taken another job? All of this has a huge impact on Gonzaga. I believe that Gonzaga's sustainability goes beyond Mark Few. Some people do not believe that. I do. But it does depend who they hire. Hiring a strong internal candidate like Brian Michelson, who can put together the same offense, who has the same recruiting tendencies, who's learned from Mark Few for decades, probably works. Probably. It doesn't always work. It's not always a guarantee. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when Mark Few does move on. And that will happen in the next 20 years, almost certainly. And whether it's Brian Michelson, whether he's taken another job, whether somebody else takes the job, whether Gonzaga goes externally and has to hire somebody else, which is a huge risk, all of that is going to be determined primarily by Mark, which is why he's number one on the list. But Michelson, where he is at in his career at that time, will have a huge impact on Gonzaga's future as well. Well, four more movers and shakers to discuss closing out the show, including current college and current pro players, coming up right after this. All right, segment three. Still any patents, still locked on Zag, still talking through our top 10 most important, influential, impactful people in the next 20 years for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Of course, there are many people who are going to have a huge impact on Gonzaga who are five years old right now, 10 years old right now, not even born potentially right now. So it's a little bit hard to know exactly what this is going to shake out like, but we're kind of making some projections on here are some important figures in Gonzaga's current life who are going to have a big impact on what this program is going to look like so we're going to move on here the last three guys we're talking about last three people i should say that we're talking about uh, drew timmy is next and drew might seem like an odd choice as a player who at most is going to play one more season one of the next 20 seasons in a gonzaga bulldogs uniform uh potentially he's only going to play a few more weeks a month six weeks is potentially all that is left of drew Timmy's career in a Gonzaga Bulldogs uniform. However, he has a very, very real chance of breaking the scoring record at Gonzaga being the all-time leading scorer in school history. Many of you listening know the name Frank Burgess. Most of you listening probably know the name Frank Burgess. The reason you know the name Frank Burgess is because he is Gonzaga's all-time leading scorer. His jersey is hanging in the rafters in the McCarthy Athletic Center. Of course, he went on to have a very successful post-playing career. uh, And and I know that that has a, a huge part is a huge factor, but for Drew Timmy, He could become Gonzaga's greatest scorer of all time. He's already arguably one of their greatest players, if not their greatest player of all time, with multiple All-American nods, potential National Player of the Year conversation, helped lead this team to a national championship appearance, all of that stuff. But if he also breaks the scoring record, he becomes an icon, more so than he already is. A player that people talk about for years and years and years. Beyond that, for Drew Timmy, he is the first real significant NIL earner in Gonzaga history. That matters. It matters that Drew Timmy has proven, and we don't know the figures, and we may never know the figures, but Drew Timmy has proven that you can make real, real money playing basketball at Gonzaga. Nobody else has proven that. Drew Timmy has. To me, that is monumentally important going forward. Players are going to determine where they go to college based on how much money they can make. It is going to happen. It's already happening. It's going to continue to happen. Drew Timmy saying, look, I have this deal with Emerald Queen Casino or Northern Quest Casino, excuse me, where I am on TV fairly regularly. I have this podcast where I'm presumably making money. I have deals with Dollar Shave Club. I have other T-Mobile. All of these opportunities that Drew Timmy has cultivated as a Spokane resident as a gonzaga basketball player prove that you can do that in at this school people might not have believed that otherwise now they do that's huge for gonzaga's ability to continue to recruit specifically domestically going forward players like dusty stromer players who we haven't even heard about yet carter bryant other guys who are in the 2024 class who haven't committed to Gonzaga but could part of the decision making there is will i be able to make money there jimmy's proving yes So I think that that is what makes him such an instrumental, influential part of Gonzaga's next 20 years, even if his playing career in Spokane uh, is coming to an end. Next up, this is a bit of a controversial one. I'm curious what other people will think here, but I'm putting Chet Holmgren. I'm putting Chet Holmgren on the list. Chet Holmgren no longer playing in a Gonzaga Bulldogs uniform, only played one season with the Zags. And some people might argue that he didn't reach his full potential. That's part of the reason he's on this list. I don't think Chet Holm is going to become the greatest zag of all time in the NBA only because John Stockton is a really, really high bar to potentially clear and multi, multiple, multiple time, all-star all-time leader in assists, all-time leader in steals, you know, first ballot hall of famer, all of that good stuff going along with Stockton. But Chet could be second. He could at least challenge Demonte Sabonis for second among Gonzaga players in the NBA. If he succeeds in the NBA, the big question, will it help or hurt Gonzaga's reputation? Because it could do both. Because right now, Chet Holmgren is a different player. We don't know right now. He's hurt, obviously. But what we saw from him in Summer League was a player who is a more dynamic offensive player than he showed at Gonzaga because he was fitting into Gonzaga's system. Then the conversation becomes, is Gonzaga's system hurting NBA draft prospects? I think no. I think Chet would tell you no. I think Jalen Suggs would tell you no. But if that perception is out there that, oh, look at this guy, you know, doing crossover pull-ups from 27 feet, 32 feet, whatever it may be, he didn't do that in Spokane. Does Mark Few hold these guys back? I don't necessarily believe in that statement, in that kind of conclusion, but people were people were saying it. People were saying it all the time when Chad Holman was dominating in the summer league. Next year, when he comes back, they might say it again. They may not be right, but it doesn't matter. If that perception is out there, players may not choose to come to Gonzaga because of that. On the flip side, this may have an opposite effect. If I'm Mark Few, if I'm Brian Michelson, if I'm Stephen Gentry, Roger Powell, whomever out there is recruiting, I am selling any kid who who resembles the skill set of Chet Holmgren, I'm selling them on that. You could be Chet Holmgren. You could be a guy who blocks shots for us, hits threes for us, you know, does all of that stuff. There, This is already happening. Christian Nitu, who's a player in Canada who Gonzaga has been connected to, he mentioned Chet Holmgren. Other players have mentioned Chet Holmgren when being discussed as Gonzaga recruiting players. They're already doing this. They're already trying to make those connections, trying to recruit using Chet Holmgren's name. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Totally makes sense to me. How Chet does in the NBA does impact Gonzaga over the next 20 years. There's no debate about that. Whether he struggles, whether he finds success, it, it's, it's unclear exactly how it'll impact Gonzaga, but it's clear that it will. And so it's something that I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on, not because I love rooting for Zags in the NBA, although that is true, but also because I'm curious how his NBA success will impact the Zags going forward. Finally, closing out the show with the absolute goat, Courtney Vandersloot, New York Liberty point guard. A lot of the same reasoning uh, for Chet, except for the fact that Courtney has already demonstrated her success in the WNBA, a potentially all-time WNBA assist leader in time. She is third right now on her way to trying to catch Sue Bird, the great Sue Bird, who just retired. From her career with the Seattle Storm, Courtney now in New York with the Liberty playing alongside Brianna Stewart, alongside Sabrina Ionescu, alongside John Kel Jones, a legitimate super team in New York with the Liberty. Courtney helped put Gonzaga's women's basketball program on the map. Kelly Graves had had some success. They had some high-level players. Vivian Freyson had gone to the WNBA prior to Courtney arriving there. But after that, Courtney took over. She took this program to new heights. First college basketball player with 2,000 points and 1,000 assists. First period, not first women's, first period to ever do it. Sabrina Ganescu eventually caught her, also tacked on 1,000 rebounds for good measure. Uh, But still, Courtney's success in college at Gonzaga put this women's basketball team on the map, and they are still on the map to this day. Still a top 20 program in part because of what Courtney did. Now her jersey hangs in the rafters. Everybody will see it. Everybody will know that one of the greatest point guards in college basketball and in professional basketball history went to Gonzaga. It will continue to help them from a recruiting perspective. It will continue to help them from a perception perspective. It will continue to help them just – In general, it's huge for the women's basketball program. It's huge for the basketball program to have the most successful NBA point guard in all of all time in terms of assists and one of potentially eventually the most successful WNBA point guard in terms of assists. I'd also point out that David Stockton is close to moving into third place for G League assists of all time. So Gonzaga is just the assist king's. They are just the absolute kings of creating assists. And I think that Courtney's role in that and role in helping to put the women's basketball program on the map helps her deserve consideration for a a influential figure for the Zags over the next 20 years, even though her playing career and Spokane is long over and her professional playing career will be long over by then as well. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Uh, we're going to have a great episode on Friday recapping the LMU game and, of course, taking a look at Pepperdine on Saturday. Uh, return to Mailbag Monday next week. Check out the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Also check out the Lockdown College Basketball podcast if you have not done so yet. It is available on YouTube as well. We're very close to 500 subscribers there, so go hit that subscribe button on Lockdown Zags and on Locked On College Basketball. Until next time, go Zags.